Welcome to Agents of Nothing, an episode-by-episode recap and analysis from the perspectives of a veteran and a new recruit. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. Excuse me. Whoa! (laughs) That was nasty-sounding. Jeez. That was really gross. I might keep that in just for old time's sake, just as a callback to the first episode. of nothing and welcome to our agents of shield podcast we are your commanding officers i'm mariah and i'm caroline and today we're going to be talking about the season one finale the beginning of the end Woo-hoo. so exciting so mariah how was your week <sighs> well not to bring the mood down but <laughs> <laughs> this do. whole month has been incredibly stressful for me um as of this recording it's the 15th and the anniversary of my dad passing is this Saturday on the 20th. Mm. And I very stupidly thought that since I've been mostly okay over the past year since he's been gone, that like the anniversary itself would be hard, but that I'd be fine during the days before and after. Yeah. That has very much not been the case. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty okay today. I'm fine. But let's just say it's a good thing I canceled my credit card a while ago because there would be a lot of impulse purchases happening right now if I hadn't. (laughs) So, Caroline, how was your week? Uh, I didn't know what to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My my pool has been closed in my apartment for like weeks now because they didn't pass some inspection or something um but like they've kept the fountains on the whole time so it's like clear and beautiful and it sounds so nice and I just want to go in it (laughs) so bad um (laughs) but it's like chained shut the gates (laughs) and I probably couldn't go in there because of my torn calf anyway but I want to really bad did you go to the doctor for it what what's the what's the (laughs) verdict on that (laughs) Um, like I said, my, my dad is a personal trainer, so he's pretty well-versed in, like, muscle stuff, and he's, he's torn muscles a lot, so he kind of recognized the signs of it, um, so I'm just kind of going off his advice, plus it's like, I, I know that it's not, it's not a broken bone or anything, so what would they do even if I went to the doctor and spent the hundred dollars on an emergency clinic? They'd probably prescribe you, like, extra strength Tylenol. Right. They'd be like, take ibuprofen, rest, and put it on ice, which is what I'm already doing, so. That'll be $80. Thank you. (laughs) Exactly. So, we're just gonna stick it out and it'll, it'll get better eventually. American healthcare, woohoo! Yep. Let's say don't have healthcare right now. So. Oh, uh, yeah. Is that illegal still? <laughs> I don't think it is, but okay. you should definitely apply for Medicaid. You could almost definitely yeah. get it, and it's better than it seems. I have Medicaid. Yeah. Uh, they actually just called me the other day to tell me that I qualify for ABA therapy. And honestly, I'm considering it, even though I have mixed feelings about ABA. Yeah. I think it's bad for childhood development of like autistic kids generally yeah. but is it, it, ABA is like how like how to kind of hide 
your autism? It's supposed to be uh, redirecting problematic traits. But from from what I hear from adult autistics who have been through ABA, a lot of them really felt like they were being trained like a dog. Yeah. Like they would redirect the trait and then like you'd get like a treat for uh, obeying. But yeah, I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, we don't have to get into that. Yeah. Sorry. So this episode was written by Marissa Tancherowen and Jed Whedon, the showrunners, uh, of, of course. And it was directed <laughs> by David Strayton. Um, so the Art of Level 7 poster for Beginning of the End, created by Phantom City Creative, um, it was reminiscent of the first official poster released, with differences including the character's order and clothing, the poster's coloring, a broken shield logo over the Hydra logo, and Ward being tinted by Hydra. Uh, Phantom City creative director Justine Erickson said, quote, It made sense to bookend the series with a poster that, on one hand, called back to where they began, but more importantly showed how far they've come as a team, unquote. May and Skye are positioned closest to Coulson in the poster because they're now both the closest emotionally to him, while Ward is now positioned uh, farther away to show how he went from the most trusted of colleagues to betrayer and villain. It's a good poster. It is. I like it. I just don't, I don't want Ward to be there at all. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want him to be anywhere near them. (laughs) Unfortunately, he is part of the story still. I understand that. I just don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> um, and so this is a season review that I've been holding on to since we started the podcast. Ooh. And I should have pulled who it came from also, but I didn't. So here it is. Okay. The biggest complaints about the show have now been given convincing resolutions. Coulson's strangely assembled team was actually put together by May. Ward was such a square because it was all an act. And Coulson was acting like a weirdo because his entire memory had to be stripped and reinserted after he died. Every time another layer of the mystery has been stripped away, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. gets a bit darker and more believable. What the audience is left with now is the truth underneath the lies. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a big experiment for Marvel, and it paid off. Ratings are rising as the show heads towards its season finale, and it truly is an engaging show. With the Hydra twist revealed, the Marvel drama can now tell the story it wants to tell, and we can't wait to see where it goes in season two. Me too. (laughs) Me three. (laughs) All right, so who do we meet? Uh, Kyle, uh, Billy, uh, Mommy. (laughs) Sorry, I wrote that at like 3 (laughs) a.m. All right, let's get into it. Okay. Uh, So we open on a cyber tech office. Uh, A guy is giving a new guy, who was definitely in a Supernatural episode, um, um, the tour of the place. And the new guy says that he only took this job for the incentives package, which why else would you take a job? Is what I thought at the yeah. beginning. <laughs> it's so subtle. I love it. It is. So they make it over to like the last computer and the woman working there has pulled up the footage of Colson and the team at the barbershop in Cuba. Picking up right where we left off. I love it. 
So Trip throws a Howling Commando light bulb into the room so that they can actually see their enemies. And Coulson, ever the comedian, says, who do we talk to about getting a haircut? (laughs) (laughs) This episode was... (laughs) Had so many good lines. It did. It was way too funny. <laughs> oh my god. The last two episodes have been hilarious. <laughs> so as the gunfight ensues, Sky runs to the computer and May takes on one of the centipedes who has a berserker staff. The centipede calls her by her least favorite nickname. Uh, so she takes him out with one hit, <laughs> takes the berserker staff, and says, don't ever call me that. She is such a badass. I love her. The storytelling never ceases to impress me. Like, this is such a small callback. Yeah. But including it, to me, just brings the whole season and May's storyline together. It does. It's so good. I would like to know how the guy knew about it, though. I don't know. Maybe he used to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Maybe. Um. So Sky finishes up with a flash drive and... At Coulson's command, May starts destroying the brick support columns holding up this underground base. The team gets out in the nick of time while the centipedes are all crushed. But it's okay. Thanks to the super serum, they're not all dead. They just have to dig themselves out of the rubble. I did. I That was my first thought when that was happening. I was like, I was like, wait, did they just kill these people? <laughs> um, so on the plane, Garrett doesn't even care about Coulson getting away. He's just giddy about his new super strength. Ian Quinn is pissed that they used all of their miracle drug on someone who isn't a super soldier. But Raina tells him that they have plenty of volunteers between Hydra and the Incentives Program. Oh, shit. But wait, what do volunteers matter if they can't even make any more of the GH drug anyway? I thought that that was like a major plot point that they can't make any more. So I don't know. Why does it matter? I Mm. that was um i'm not sure maybe it's a question that will be answered next season that you're not telling me no honestly i believe that honestly like i genuinely don't know uh if anyone has their corrections if anyone has clarity on this send it to at rusty page 95 on twitter thank you <laughs> please <laughs> i really want to know <laughs> what did we miss here <laughs> So while Garrett is excitedly showing off his new strength by writing on a glass door with a nail, um, which looks like the symbols that were in that room that Ward went into for like Amador's mission that he took over. Good eye. So yeah, so while Garrett's doing that, he praises Ward for finally achieving their goal. Ward tries to feel out where they stand now. Ward's been thinking all this time that their alliance with Hydra was a means to an end in order to save Garrett's failing human body, but that they were not, quote, true believers. But Garrett is pretty much all in at this point, and they are part of an impending coup and or uprising. He again praises Ward for getting Garrett to this point and says that now he'll get Ward whatever he wants. But what if Ward just wants to, like, stop being evil, though? I bet he won't give him that. (laughs) I bet he won't let him just go away. Just quit. Yeah. So Coulson, Skye, May, and Trip are at the back of the jet, and Skye confirms that her Trojan horse code worked, and they now have access to all of Hydra's plans right in the palm of their hands. Yay! But Coulson comes in and tells them that Fitz and Simmons' tracker has made it across the ocean, but he can't get in touch with them. He continues talking before anyone can start to object um, and says that they have to follow Garrett first. Coulson both recognizes that Fitzsimmons risked their lives to place that tracker 
And he knows that finding Garrett is going to be the best chance at figuring out where Fitz and Simmons are if they're still alive. I don't know if I agreed with that, with Garrett is the best chance of figuring out where they are. Yeah, I don't, I don't think know. that was true. But I I do think that, like, I agreed with the decision to to look for Garrett first because, like... Like he said, like they're, that would have made their sacrifice in vain and they would have had no place to even start looking. So like who knows how long that would have taken, you know? Yeah. And like as far as they would know, either either Fitzsimmons are dead or they've been captured. Right. They have no reason to think that they'd be at the bottom of the ocean. Exactly. They have no reference point to even start from. So yeah, so Garrett would be their best bet because like either they're dead or they're st- still like imprisoned on the plane right but they are alive (laughs) just at the bottom of the ocean and my initial thoughts were is that pod pressurized or are their heads going to explode from being under that much water (laughs) Uh, it is pressurized don't worry it's okay but apparently it wasn't supposed to sink i don't know Fitz says some, like, science stuff that I will not pretend to understand. And also, he managed to secure the both of them to a backboard before the impact to keep them from getting too injured, although he did break his arm. And it, <laughs> he must have been working real fast. <laughs> yeah, I guess he just kind of, like, grabbed onto something and, like, strapped them in. That's yeah. really quick thinking, for sure. Yeah. I mean, this isn't the last that we'll see of the pods as, like, a concept. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that the hypothetical technology around it is really cool. It sort of, like, adjusts to whatever environment it's in. Yeah. And I think the science stuff that Fitz was saying is that they hit the water too fast like, they went from falling through the air to suddenly being in the water. Yeah. And it hit the water too fast, and it was trying to overcompensate, and it sank them. Oh, okay. It should have floated, apparently. Gotcha. <laughs> and so, we can't, we can't finish out the season without an IMDb goof. Insert eye roll emoji here. Of course. <laughs> so, Fitz tells Simmons that he broke his arm in the same two places as he did in, quote, second grade but Fitz is Scottish and in Scotland the schooling system doesn't go up in grades but instead calls each year primary one primary two etc the Scottish equivalent to second grade is primary four so he would have never been in second grade and neither would Simmons as she is from England and would have been in year three instead of second grade uh, okay, I have a response for this um, <laughs> because I have had multiple friends throughout the years who are from the UK and generally they do know about American school systems. Now, not that they would have said that to each other, but it would make sense if they're like used to being around Americans and saying things that Americans would understand because that generally is what happens. Then it do, it it tracks for them to be like, oh yeah, second grade. Yeah, because I mean, as I know that a lot of uh, people in Europe like to rag on us Americans, and I mean, rag on our government and yeah. you know our our sense of their sense of superiority. Um, yeah, but yeah, sure. like American media for some reason is like 
the overwhelming I, I don't I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but like more people from outside of America have seen American media than Americans have seen like British TV shows or Spanish TV right. shows or like Scott, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like every English person has a sense of what American high school is like. Yeah. So it, it doesn't track that they would say it to each other. But I, I feel like these sorts of critiques are too nitpicky because I don't want this to sound wrong. But at the end of the day, this is an American TV show right. and they could write in accurate like primary four and year three. But the main audience would then not know what the characters are talking about. Right. So it would be accurate, yeah. but it wouldn't be effective. And it would take your audience out of the story. As well. Yeah, cause then because then you'd have like, to, what? like, Google, like, what the fuck is primary two? Um, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, you can say what you want about, like, Americans not knowing anything about other countries. But I would also come back with, is that our fault? Really? It's really not. Our education system <laughs> and our media is just a very America-centric. And, and overwhelmingly so. Yeah, we're only really exposed to American media and American history and all of this stuff. Um, right. That's why we didn't have Philosopher's Stone. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Like, they um. didn't have to <laughs> change the version of that book, but they did. And, like, Americans didn't decide that. <laughs> I didn't decide that. <laughs> yeah. I know what a philosopher is. Right. But anyways, I just think that that sort of critique is a little too nitpicky. In the same vein, for the same episode, there was a, a goof about Fitz said he did the math, and that's not accurate because... Maths. Yeah, they would call it maths. And again, <laughs> that would take the average American viewer out of the story, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm sorry. We don't have control over our education system or uh, <laughs> what media we consume throughout yeah. our lives. At least until very recently. Yeah. Very recently, we, ha we gained control over what media we can consume right. with the rise of the internet. But largely before, like, I'd say even, like, 2010, oh, we, yeah. we had no control over that. We had For our sure. cable packages, and we had school, and that's about it. Right. And those are severely uh, washed yeah. certain colors. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. <laughs> let's just step off our soapbox. Um, <laughs> so Simmons is trying to stay positive. They're lucky that they survived. And now they just have to figure out a way out of there. But Fitz is pretty hopeless. Even if they can get out of the pod, they'd be at the bottom of the ocean. They'd get the bends trying to reach the surface. Even if they survive that, they have no flotation device and no one would know where they are to even come rescue them. And before Simmons even came to, Fitz had already tried to send a distress signal, but it's on a shield frequency, which means it's basically obsolete. Nobody's watching that right now. Or are they? <laughs> and on top of that, they don't have any supplies to even try to build something to get them out. Coulson's going to find them, though. Sky's going to, like, grow gills or something and find them. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny if that was the season finale reveal? Sky has gills. Sky is the daughter of the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, she's been hiding her <laughs> Scottish accent this whole time. <laughs> Anyway, um, so on the jet, Coulson and team are gearing up to infiltrate something. He explains his plan that, uh, well, I understood all the words individually, <laughs> but I lost track almost immediately. But anyway, 
Coulson finishes his pep talk by asking, are you ready to change the world? And May's like, no, but I'm ready to kick some ass. Fucking yes, May. <laughs> My note here was literally just quoting the same line. It's so, so good. So good. Oh, I love May. So Ward asks Raina to check on Garrett because he's worried that Garrett is lying about how well he seems to be doing post-GH. Also, he seems to be losing his mind. So Raina <laughs> goes in to see Garrett while Ward and Mike just, like, stare at each other for a moment. <laughs> Mike is just thinking some thoughts. He's just thinking. <laughs> Garrett is just straight up vibing watching the gravy boat and <laughs> Raina mentions that Quinn wants it in return for his work and she thinks that they should give it to him. But Garrett says that he knows that she's got something planned for it. So he starts talking some nonsense about, I can see into the soul of the universe and I have a vision for the future because this drug has not only healed my body, it's given me clarity of mind. I'd like it. not that much clarity, though. You're still a selfish, self-serving, unabashed serial killer. So <laughs> it just uh, made you go a little cuckoo. Yeah. But Raina says that she's not giving Garrett or Hydra or Centipede or Cybertech her allegiance. She's playing for her own hand. <laughs> I'm playing for my own hand. Anyway, <laughs> Garrett says that they both believe the same thing. That humans are evolving into something more. Also, even though he's not clairvoyant, he can see the future written on the back of his eyeballs. Gross. That's so, that's so gross. Why is he so gross? I, I, I don't know, man. Ugh. It's disturbing. Anyway, so he says that because he can see the truth written on the back of his eyeballs, uh, she can still ask him the question that she wanted to ask the clairvoyant, which is, what will she become? I wish I could experience watching this for the first time again. You're so lucky. <laughs> I, I, I can still remember the confusion and the curiosity and the need to know what happens. Yeah. And you don't have to wait nearly as long as I did to find out. <laughs> like we're taking like a week break. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, that was certainly thought provoking. Because she said in the last episode that she and Skye have similarities, right? And Skye's parents are monsters, as far as we know. So, like, are they siblings? Cousins? Or is she just a different kind of monster? I don't know. I don't know. Is we'll it, have to wait for season two. Was she born two? a monster? Or did, is, did she get a, a gift later on? I don't know. <laughs> I'm so excited for you to find out. <laughs> Okay, so back at the bottom of the ocean, Fitzsimmons are discussing the afterlife. Fitz says his mom always said that you shouldn't be afraid of death because it's the same as how it was before you were born. And that wasn't too bad. That's honestly so comforting. It is. Although Simmons says she was pretty miserable pre-birth, what with being upside down and choked by her umbilical cord and all that. So, so Fitz clarifies that Mama Fitz meant preconception, obviously. <laughs> Simmons says that she prefers to think about the first law of thermodynamics. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. So the energy within them will simply flow into something else. A dragonfish, a microbe, a burning supernova in a billion years. A monkey. <laughs> that was when I started crying. <laughs> it's so good. Not to... Okay, here, here we go off. I'm starting us on another tangent. Please. But... I have my own personal theory about the afterlife, um, and I would like to speak it. Please. So 
I don't know if this is just something that went around on Tumblr that wasn't actually true, but I'm pretty sure that when you die, your brain has like a burst of activity, Mm -hmm. like right before you pass away. And I think that the afterlife is in that burst of brain activity. So, because if you, when people talk about their near-death experiences and what they saw, if you notice, it usually aligns with what they believed in life. Like atheists will say that they didn't see anything and Christians will say that they saw heaven and so on and so forth. So I think that all versions of the afterlife are true and none of them are true, but it's it's the same as a dream. Like you know how in dreams you can dream over the like the span of a week within that dream and you've been asleep for eight hours. You know? So I think that that the afterlife eternity is within that burst of energy that your brain releases that's been very comforting for me um with my dad being gone because he was a very religious man and i am not religious and so i've just been hoping that he got the afterlife he wanted yeah and if you're right then that means he did yeah (laughs) i go back and forth about afterlife stuff because i don't know i feel like i'm just kind of open to anything because i absolutely believe in ghosts um (laughs) so i just feel like it's not something that I'm ever going to understand until it happens, you know? And I'm pretty comfortable with that. Yeah. There's just so many things. It feels arrogant for me to to try and, like, figure it out, you know? Because there are so many things in in this plane of existence that I'm I'm never going to understand. And who's to say that there's not another plane of existence? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. And it's not, I'm never going to find out (laughs) unless it happens, you know? So that's where I'm at. Anyway, as Fitz and Simmons are talking, Simmons starts to realize for the first time that the window is made of glass. Uh Uh-huh. Um, (laughs) and that they can do something to blow it in and get out. And I'm happy for them. Um, but I, this was already discussed that even if they get out of the pod, they're still kind of fucked. <laughs> but I guess it's a chance. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so this was, or at least a scene similar to this, was Elizabeth and Ian's screen test. Oh. So if you want to click on that, we can watch yeah. it together. And I'll insert audio here. This I'm scared. Yeah, me too. You know, that's what makes us different from the rest of them. Ward were here, he'd probably be doing push-ups or something. Oh, I'm scared that this is my fault. I dragged you into this, into the field. We were fine at HQ, but I couldn't shake the feeling that there was more. That's not your fault. You didn't drag me anywhere. Oh, you were fine with your circuits and gadgets and virtual worlds. You were... I'm, I'm a highly evolved primate, capable of making my own decisions. <laughs> think that lab would be any fun without you. Who would I throw things at? <laughs> or laugh at when you made a mistake. Who would I throw things at? Who would laugh at me? Yeah, well, no one's laughing now. Ah, oh, I never should have let you run those specs on your own. <sighs> well, the... They were flawless. <laughs> and you know it. 
Clearly they weren't because now we're stuck in here about to be blamed for this. Okay, so you're saying this is my fault. I mean, let's just get this clear. You're now saying this is my fault. Well, I mean, this part is your fault. In a micro level, yeah, oh. but in a macro sense, I am to blame no, for it. For dragging me, kicking and screaming. You just said screaming. I didn't drag you. Out of the comforts of a perfectly oh, safe laboratory. Oh, don't act like you've months. I've been the highlight of your entire pasty life. No, seeing the actual world instead of just Googling it. We both know we should have done oh, it sooner. Did that, the pasty life, back at the last time. Yeah. You know, there is something strangely comforting about that big star shining down on us right now. Epic, massive sun. Seems just as insignificant as our lives down here. Yeah. I mean, technically, it's a binary system. The light took about a thousand years to get here, but I, I understand the sentiment. Bet this isn't how you thought you'd go. <laughs> Still stuck in a room with me, gazing out a useless window. Fitz, we could break the window. Oh, it's too small to fit through. No, but we we might be able to use the broken glass to cut to the cut hydraulic the, line. Yeah, to release the pressure with less pressure. The... We could use some sort of lever to turn the drive cam and, and open, open the, the door. door. <gasps> oh, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, well, help me find something to smash it with. Fitz, oh, my legs don't are just stand there like a shaking, whiz. Baby. What the hell is wrong with you? Just give me five seconds. <sighs> it makes me so happy. Oh my god. He wipes his cheek. <laughs> oh my god. No wonder. No wonder. Oh. They it's... just have been perfect together from the start. To think that that was, if not the first, one of the first times they ever met. Yeah. That blows my mind. They're, oh my God, meant to be. And I just, I <sighs> love the bickering. Yeah. As someone <laughs> as someone who bickers a lot with my significant other, it's validating. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Thank you for showing me. <laughs> You're welcome. I do. I like that it was kind of this scene and the one from when Simmons almost yeah. died. It's sort of like a splice together thing. Yeah. Because I think mostly in screen tests, they don't use an actual scene that's going to be in the actual show. Yeah. They kind of like write something that fits the character and sort of involves the story. Yeah. So over on land... Quinn is at the Cybertech manufacturing facility giving a tour to all of the military leaders. He explains that the machine he's trying to sell them will replace a soldier's amputated limb with a new mechanical one and can crank out over a hundred new soldiers a day to replace every wing of the military and national security. And like, how are they even considering giving one corporation power over the entire country's defense? Like, how do they not immediately get grossed out by that? <laughs> I don't know, man. They love to, um, what's the what's the word for that? Privatize? Yeah. Yeah. like Privatize and monopolize. Yeah, they tried to do it with the post office a while back. Mm -hmm. They wanted to give fucking, like, UPS and Amazon 
Uh, all of our could mail. You imagine? <laughs> could you imagine? Ugh. But like the the entire national defense, national security, like that blows my mind that they would even consider unfortunately, that. Unfortunately, unfortunately, with the with the past few years we've had, it would not surprise me. Yeah. It would it would set off some red flags for me as a citizen for sure, but it would not surprise me. Yeah. Even with the even with the president that we have now. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> We're getting into the deep shit this episode. Yeah. <laughs> On a lighter note, this is actually the second Marvel appearance of Glenn Morshauer playing a US military general who gets killed by another character overpowering him. <laughs> oh, wait. I should have put that later in the episode. Anyways, he that Sorry. actor previously played uh, Colonel Hendry in X Men First Class. Oh, okay. He is very. He looks like a military type. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny when actors get typecasted like that. Yeah, and it's just because they like. Oh, he looks like he'd be in the military. Oh, he looks like he'd be a mailman. Oh, he looks like he'd be a right. corner store clerk. <laughs> <laughs> so Colson and Trip are in the desert on a stakeout, and goddamn, Colson looks so fucking good. The button-up shirt, the <laughs> sleeves rolled up, the vest. Holy shit! Oh my god, I. <laughs> David was watching with me for this one, and I he can verify. I literally paused it for like ten minutes to be like, damn. Damn! <laughs> As I was saying, um, they see some military vehicles drive up to the path below them, and Trip gets a little bit sassy. He's like, "Sir, you know I bring the noise and the funk wherever I go." <laughs> I love Trip so much. He's amazing. <laughs> Um, so then he throws a Howling Commandos gadget to the other side of the road, and it starts yelling, Hey ho, friends, the enemy is approaching. Careful now, or they'll win the day. <laughs> I Just love it. The most World War II shit ever. <laughs> um, so anyway, while the soldiers are distracted, Tripp and Coulson steal their Hummer and break through the gate to the Cybertech facility. They blow up the group of soldiers that are shooting at them and then blow a hole into the wall of the facility so May and Skye can get in. And I was surprised. Well, I guess they probably didn't kill the soldiers because they're super soldiers. Yeah. Every time that something like that happens, I'm like, really? Colson did that. <laughs> but he didn't. It's okay. Yeah. I think <laughs> I think that they're essentially like nearly impossible to kill yeah, at this point. Probably so. Anyway, so Quinn is assuring all the generals that those explosions are just practice drills. He's <laughs> he's really just a like natural liar. It comes so easily. The to fact him. that he could think that he would fool military men about <laughs> explosions and gunfire. <laughs> Hello. Literally. Um, so obviously they don't accept that answer. They know gunfire when they hear it. And as Quinn is trying to calm the situation. Garrett comes in and immediately says some gross shit about <laughs> that gunfire is the dying breath of an old world. A new world is coming. I've tasted it on my tongue. He's <laughs> so gross. <laughs> like, what kind of fucking tool lyric is that? Like, 
Anyway, the general is like, bro, what are you smoking? (laughs) And when Quinn suggests that they demonstrate the technology that he's been trying to sell, Garrett just kills the fucking general in front of everyone. He says, I've seen the future and this is just the beginning. Ward is realizing how fucking batshit his abuser slash mentor is and says, just horrified, beginning of what john and garrett just rips the guy's rib out and says the end and they said the title of the episode (laughs) and then he stabs the general with his own rib what the stabbed with his own rib that's insane that's insane. His own rib. And, okay, I I noticed this. I like that the only time that anyone calls Garrett by his first name, it's when they're, like, becoming afraid of him. When they're, like, realizing that he's not who they thought he was. Because, like, Colson did the same thing. Yeah. In the, the moment where he was like, wow, you're really crazy. Uh, he, he called him John. Yeah. Instead of Garrett. I just thought that was interesting. That is really interesting. It's like they're trying to, like, reach his humanity. For a moment. Yeah, and I think he lost his humanity a long time ago. Way before he was ever injected with the synthetic GH-325. For sure, yeah. So it's like, they're trying to reach him, but he's it doesn't even phase him. He's gone. He's gone. So Ward stops Reyna on her way out with the gravy boat. (laughs) And... He's like, um, you're not going to fucking help? <laughs> you encouraged this man's delusions, and now he's killed a general of the United States Army, and I had to detain the other six, and now you're leaving? <laughs> and Raina's like, I agreed with him. You're the one that follows him. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Queen! Queen! Whoa! Queen shit! <laughs> what a line. That was incredible. <laughs> And she says that in this case, he actually should follow Garrett because all three of them need slash want the same thing now. Sky. Sky will be an important part of the evolution that Garrett has been talking about. And she's the only thing that Ward has ever wanted or cared about or been obsessed with. (laughs) So Ward asks what they're going to use Sky for, but Raina just gives more platitudes. But she says, ultimately, Sky could be his. What? No. <laughs> Ward's like, um, have you spoken to Sky recently? She hates my guts. I am just a picture to burn for her now. <laughs> she thinks I'm a monster. And Raina says, are you? Is that who you truly are? Or is that what Garrett made you to be? And wow. That cut him so deep. And oh my God, Brett Dalton is such a good actor. The moment Oh my god. Yeah. You can just see like, like you his can, entire yeah. worldview changing. Incredible. It's like the first time someone has said something like that to him, yeah. I think. Like they finally said it to his face and yeah. it just is like hitting him all at once. Oh my god. And you know what a moment. That is why Raina is superior. Raina's been to therapy, I bet. It didn't help her be a good person, but she knows what she's about. <laughs> it helped her just figure out herself and she's comfortable with that. Yeah. she's been to therapy it didn't help but she went (laughs) um so reyna says that since they know about sky's parents being monsters maybe one day sky's quote true nature will reveal itself and the two of them can be monsters together and on i don't 
care what kind of origins Sky came from. Ain't no fucking way she's gonna be with Ward now. Not when she figured out he was Hydra. Not when he killed Koenig and countless others. And certainly not now that he attempted to murder Fitz and Simmons. Like, there's no fucking way. Yeah. <laughs> um, over at Cybertech, Coulson and Trip are running into trouble. Super soldiers are attacking their Hummer, and it seems that they're stuck. But, of course, Coulson comes up with a new mysterious backup plan from inside the truck. <laughs> inside, May and Sky have made it to the dealer what or whoever that is um and god damn it sky is in a button-down shirt and a vest with her sleeves rolled up too <laughs> what the fuck why is that so hot on everyone it looks so she good she looks so insanely good oh my god wait and she's still holstering her gun in the waistband of her pants sky you're so hot but you are going to shoot your own ass off one of these days <laughs> And also, I need to know what extensions she's using because her ponytail is just so long and full and beautiful. I loved it. <laughs> um, so she threatens everyone in the cubicle office with a bomb and with Agent May. <laughs> she's like, y'all have seen who Agent May is. You know exactly what she can do. And everybody is shitting themselves. <laughs> um, so the guy from the cold open rushes to the main computer and says that they have thought through every possible emergency scenario, including this one. And there's no way that Sky and May will be able to take over the super soldiers. But May just says, don't tell me you just switched the soldiers to default directive. <laughs> I love her. The guy's like, the guy's like, uh, yeah, we did. Wait, how do you know about that? <laughs> <laughs> always one step ahead mm -hmm. so the soldiers attacking trip and colson immediately freeze the default directive is defend john garrett at all costs so they all turn around and head straight to garrett which is going to lead colson straight to garrett so trip drives off while colson runs after the soldiers and his run is so funny i think everyone <laughs> looks a little stupid when they run i think that's just a fact of life they must he's got good form though great form good job clark <laughs> Um, so Ward catches back up with Garrett and asks what he's supposed to do now that Quinn and Raina have bailed. What are his orders? But Garrett's just basically like, do whatever you want. I already got everything I wanted from you. <laughs> Sky then calls Garrett from a cybertech phone. And of fucking course, Garrett would make a fat joke. Because of fucking course he would. So while Ward looks on nervously... Sky and Garrett both talk like they have outsmarted the other, and honestly, it's the funniest conversation I've ever heard. <laughs> you know that if you try to give a directive to one of my soldiers, everyone would explode, right? Oh, damn, you outsmarted us again. Coulson didn't even think of that. Oh, good. Phil's here. We have lots to talk about. <laughs> um, and then Garrett brings up Fitz and Simmons, implying that they're already dead, and Sky is enraged while Ward looks guilty as fuck as he fucking should. Mm -hmm. Garrett tells Ward that Raina told him about Skye, so he tells Ward to go get her. Ward says, thank you, and immediately heads out. Fuck, 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 fuck. Then Garrett turns to Mike, who hasn't left his side all day. Mike says that those were his orders, so Garrett says, I love you too. Fucking, that's so gross. He's literally a, your captive prisoner. Ugh. Ugh. I hate him. So back underwater... 
Fitz and Simmons have rigged the bomb to blow in the glass. They're running out of oxygen, so they have to ignite it quickly. So as Fitz is telling Simmons what to expect and what to do, she realizes that Fitz is not planning on making it out with her. Because while there is a pressurized canister of oxygen, there is only enough for one breath. And I was sobbing. Ugh. As they argue over who could live without the other one less, Fitz finally admits his feelings for her. The confession. I cry. I cry. It hurts. It hurts so good. Um, so now she's objecting even more to leaving him behind. Fitz finally hits the button and the water starts rushing in. Simmons swims out, pulling Fitz with her. Literally screaming and crying. Like, I'm not being hyperbolic. Yeah. It's Gemma's scream as he hits the button, being immediately cut off by the scene of, like, the window being blown open and her swimming up. Yeah. It's so powerful and emotional, and I don't think it'll ever not make me cry. Like, her just screaming no, and then it getting cut off. I'm getting chills again, just thinking about it. (laughs) It's so good. So they finally make it to the surface, and... Luckily, there is an aircraft hovering right over them with Nicholas fucking Fury hanging off of it to pull them both out of the water. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Simmons wakes up in a decompression tank on a jet heading for the mainland, according to Nick. (laughs) I accidentally wrote Nicky fucking Fury. I was hoping you did that on purpose because it's so funny. Nikki fucking Fury. According to Nikki fucking Fury, whom, whom to Simmons' knowledge is supposed to be dead at this point. Um, she immediately asks about Fitz and Fury says that he's alive but barely, that Simmons saved him. But Simmons corrects him and says it was the other way around. Fury was looking for them because Coulson secretly asked him to, which makes so much sense. That tracks for Coulson. And he found them because of the beacon that they thought nobody would be watching for. Fury then asks for intel on the, quote, dispute that Coulson thought he should weigh in on. So the outfit that Nick Fury wears in this episode is exactly the same outfit he's seen wearing in the last scene of Captain America the Winter Soldier. Sunglasses, a beanie, and a leather jacket and hoodie instead of his usual eye patch and trench coat. And I remember noticing that when the episode first aired as well, and I really like that detail. Yeah, that's a really, that's a good choice. So over at the Cybertech office, Sky has strapped the bomb to the main guy's back and is interrogating him. However, uh, they have this bomb duct taped to the guy, but his arms are definitely free. Like, he could definitely just rip the tape. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so Sky asks why he's willing to die for Hydra. Is he a true believer or is he there for the incentives program? And this was when I realized that this wasn't, that was not like an insurance benefits package. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) But just then, Ward's voice comes from behind her, saying that she won't kill the guy. She had the chance to kill Ward and didn't, even though she hates him. Sky's like, yeah, no, I actually just feel sorry for you. Um, (laughs) She brings up how their team were the only people who were willing to give Ward a chance to be a decent person. She brings up Fitz, how he was willing to give Ward the benefit of the doubt up until the very end. But some people are just born evil, I guess. And Ward's like, yeah, like you. (laughs) What? Just because Sky was born from aliens or, like, even violent creatures 
definitely doesn't make her evil uh, because her actions for her entire life have proven her to not, in fact, be evil, but to be a pretty damn good person uh, with a ton of integrity. And Ward was born from human parents and his actions for his whole life have proven him to be, we'll say, easily influenced at best. Or, in Skye's words, (laughs) weak. Oh, that she just knew. She knew exactly what was going to get to him. (laughs) And then Ward says, you're right. You woke up a weakness in me. (laughs) So gross. I hated it. He says, and for the first time in a while, I want something for myself. Maybe I'll just take what I want and wake something up inside of you. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. He's so gross. Also, Sky is not a thing. Can't you want, like, freedom or, like, to heal from your trauma or something? God. <laughs> Ward wants to possess her. He always has. Yeah. I think in his own twisted way, he cares about the people on the team. But his feelings for Sky are not love. Not at all. He wants to own her. I think at this point in, like, who he is in his journey, he's not capable of actual love right now. I think he could be eventually with someone else after he goes to therapy and spends a lot of years like suffering. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he could be capable of love, but right now he's certainly not. He doesn't know what love is. Yeah. Um, But Skye says that she's not afraid of him and she doesn't need to use a bomb on him. She's got a much better weapon that will absolutely destroy him because you slept with her and she's really fucking pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) And then May hits him so fast. She's a literal blur. Fucking finally. I have been waiting for someone to punch him in the fucking face. (laughs) Bitch. (laughs) That's all I have to say. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, that's the only thing you can say, honestly. (laughs) Um, So they start fighting with like an electric saw while Sky takes uh, their hostage. Ward starts choking May and says, I thought our thing was no strings attached. Looks like the Ice Queen got her feelings hurt. First of all, gross. Also, um, the Ice Queen is about to hurt you, so fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Coulson distracts Mike with the noisemaker and sneaks up on Garrett. But Garrett punches back harder and Coulson goes flying. Luckily, though, he lands at the feet of Nikki Fury. Um... (laughs) Fury tells him not to call him Sir because he looks like he lives under a bridge. And he does look troll-esque. <laughs> Fury says that he went to pretty extreme lengths to keep Coulson alive the first time, so he felt he should probably keep Coulson alive this second time. And Coulson says, this probably isn't the best time for it, but I'd like to have a lengthy conversation with you about that. And it might get loud. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. Um, but since they have bigger fish to fry at the moment, Fury hands Coulson a gigantic gun. And is that the same gun that killed Coulson? So it was the gun that Coulson was holding when he got killed. He was stabbed by Loki okay. through the heart. Okay. I thought I thought it looked familiar. Yeah. So in this scene, Fury hands Coulson a large gun and says, this packs a pretty good punch. To which Coulson replies, I know what it does. And it's the same weapon that Coulson fired on Loki in the Avengers, the BFG he pulled out of the weapons locker and told Loki, even I don't know what it does. After Coulson Uh, is stabbed by Loki, he fires the weapon, sending Loki through the wall behind him. And he says, 
So that's what it does. <laughs> oh, what a good callback. That's it so good. It really, really is. All their callbacks and references are so good. And subtle. It's so good. Because <laughs> you can watch the show without having all this, like, backstory and knowledge. Like, you can still enjoy it, but it makes it so much richer when you know, like, the little references. <laughs> or when you have a best friend who knows all the references. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Coulson takes out the super soldiers, but the gun stalls or something before he can shoot Garrett. So Fury starts shooting Garrett with regular bullets, but then Garrett looks up menacingly. <laughs> so then Ward and May are still fighting, and... uh. It could go either way. And then my favorite line, <laughs> when May calls Ward a bottom. <laughs> you were never on top. <laughs> that was so ah, funny. <laughs> lean. Oh, my God. So according to Ming-Na Wen, it apparently took 17 hours to shoot this fight scene with Brett Dalton. Wow. 17 I don't, hours. I highly doubt, I hope it wasn't consecutively. Yeah, I'm sure. I hope it was over the course of like a couple days or something. And like, I'm sure it wasn't all like physicality the whole time. Probably a lot of like yeah. setting up, resetting up, cleaning and yeah. yeah. Wow. That's a long time though. It is. It paid off. It was a fucking good fight scene. <laughs> the entertainment industry. Yes. And I... I, I think I've said before, I usually don't really like fight scenes because I feel like they tend to go on for too long and they it just, it doesn't really add to the story. But this one, it did. Yeah. Because May mentioned yeah. in the last episode or the episode before that, like, she's been saving this rage to take out on him. Yeah. And so it's so, it's like a really satisfying, like, your word, it's a really satisfying moment. <laughs> but it also isn't, like, gratuitous, you know? It's a good, yeah. It's a good fight scene. I can't believe I'm for saying sure. That. <laughs> um, so Sky has led her hostage to the incentives room, um, and that's how we get for that moment. <laughs> Garrett finally addresses Fury, and Fury's like, "Phil, you didn't tell me he'd gone this crazy." And Coulson's like, "Yeah, no, he's really stepped it up a notch." <laughs> <laughs> I can literally listen to their banter like forever. It's they're so funny they need their own buddy cop tv show yes so then may literally nails ward's foot down and as he's begging for mercy which was so stupid like as if he would have given her any mercy if the tables were turned of course he's gonna ask for mercy like little bitch boy anyway so as he's begging for mercy she shuts him up with a Solid throat punch. Fucking finally. Haven't I? I feel like I definitely have said before somebody needs to punch that man in the throat. Yeah, I think you've threatened to punch him in the throat before. Probably. I'm so glad it finally happened. <laughs> um, and then she kicks him in the head and knocks him out. Beautiful. Incredible. Show stopping. So Sky brings the hostage, whose name is Kyle by the way, uh, to his incentive room, which holds his wife, apparently. Fuck! <laughs> the incentive is code for ransom, apparently. Um, so Skye starts unlocking the other rooms and finds Ace, and his hair grew out. Oh, God knows how long he was in there. Yeah. Oh. So Garrett is still talking shit. He says that he was just following the speech that Fury used to give them. One man can accomplish anything once he realizes that he can be something bigger. And Fury says, part. I said, 
part of something bigger. <laughs> Wait, but the way the music like stopped <laughs> for him to say part. I said part of something bigger. <laughs> so fucking funny. And then Colson's like, yeah, he's not a great listener. <laughs> like if you tell me that this whole hydropath you went on is because you misheard my damn one man speech i can't i can't it was 2 30 <laughs> in the morning and i was fucking cackling <laughs> it's so just that just that concept that line is so funny and just the concept amuses me yeah like you're telling me the reason that you became evil is because you misheard my inspiring speech. <laughs> you you misheard me, and now you're evil. <laughs> Imagine if Garrett was like, oh, oh yeah, that changes the meaning a lot. <laughs> it's so oh good. Oh my god. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> um. Anyway, so Garrett starts saying, like, I am the key to the future of the universe. And like, bro, are you a kitchen sink? Hang on, wait. And like, bro, you are a kitchen sink. In- <laughs> bro, are you a kitchen sink? <laughs> are you a kitchen sink? <laughs> <laughs> bro, are you a kitchen sink? <laughs> it's so hot in here. I'm getting a little loopy. Yeah. And like, bro, you are a kitchen sink (laughs) experiment that they are about to throw away and forget about. He starts to sick Mike on them. But Skye pulls out Ace's Hulk toy out of Kyle's cardigan. (laughs) Interesting. Oh, it was out of the backpack that he said was a bomb. Oh. So there wasn't a bomb in the backpack. It was just a Hulk toy. It was never a bomb. It kind of was a bomb, though. What? It was a little bit of a bomb. Yeah. Just not one that would have exploded that guy that it was strapped to. Yeah, it was a metaphorical bomb. That's smart. God, that's so smart. (laughs) Genius. Um, Anyway, so she tells Ace to record a message for his dad that could only come from him so that she can prove that he's safe. So as Coulson is telling Garrett how we're good, you're selfish and evil, and we're always going to win, Ace's message comes across Mike's vision. Dad, what are we? We're a team. I was crying again. I cried so much in this episode. I can't. I can't. Stop the dead dad trauma. It's too much. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So Mike sees this and immediately shoots at Garrett instead. Garrett is positively flabbergasted (laughs) and tries to order Mike to stand down. But as Mike is clearly not backing down, Garrett tries to get Coulson's help for some reason. I don't know why he would think that Coulson would help him. Um, and Coulson just says, Mr. Peterson is free to do whatever he wants. Finally. <laughs> uh, so Mike just straight up curb stomps Garrett. I love it. So this is going to be like a sort of a random fun okay. fact because I wasn't really sure where to put this in. Cool. But it felt right here for some reason. Yeah. So storyboards were used throughout the season to, quote, 
put the director, stunts, camera, FX, and crew on the same page. Uh And one of the storyboard artists, Warren Drummond, noted that the process was different to that on films because there was limited time to complete the work and because the storyboard artists were often working with different directors for each episode. Um, And most of the sequences that got storyboarded were action or science fiction sequences. So that's why, that explains a lot why it seems so planned out and so thought out because it really was yeah like they didn't half-ass this at all for sure they did a really fucking good job yeah <laughs> anyway so i noted again uh that i need a million more scenes of colson and fury <laughs> they're so fucking funny they're like <laughs> you think you learned his lesson he learned something <laughs> <laughs> so garrett is presumably dead and the super soldiers are being arrested by the army. Coulson reminds the army that they were all forced to do everything they did. Without the regular injections and their cybernetic eyes, they're all just normal men. And I love that he pointed that out. Yeah. So then May brings Ward up, handcuffed, in front of Coulson. Coulson looks at May and says, Did you get a chance to express all your feelings? And May's like, Is he still breathing? <laughs> 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 oh my god i love there's it. no therapy like throat punching a bitch <laughs> um so colson turns to ward now who is silent because may's throat punch basically broke his throat <laughs> and colson's like good and then lays <laughs> into him first of all fitz and simmons are alive so your murder attempt didn't work although fitz has brain damage from the lack of oxygen so guaranteed i am going to make the rest of your life a living hell we will use whatever methods necessary to get hydra intel from you but rest assured that your torture will be mostly internal but may adds and a little external (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i love god i love colson just he's so everything that he like brought up fitz and simmons and he's like this is gonna eat you alive and also i'm gonna eat you alive (laughs) yeah you are gonna have to live with the fact that they were your friends and you tried to kill them right and they're they're alive and they know that you tried to kill them and fitz will never be the same So Coulson agrees that there will also be some external torture. (laughs) Um, And he continues, you gave your life to a deranged narcissist who never gave a damn about anyone and now he's dead. And you've got the rest of your life to answer the question of who are you without him? Damn! Oh, it's so good. Coulson missed his calling as a therapist. For real. For, that tough love is so <laughs> on point. Yeah. So Sky approaches Mike while he is watching from a distance um, as Ace is reunited with his mom. Or his aunt. Is his mom alive? I, I don't know. With a, a family member um, who was not a, Mike. A female family member. <laughs> yes. When Sky asks why he doesn't go to Ace, Mike says he doesn't want Ace to see what he's become. And he's not talking about his burns. Sky starts to tell Mike not to leave, that Coulson wanted him to be brought in. But Mike points out that they have access to his hardware and can literally watch his every move. He encourages them to watch him, actually, because he's going to try to make amends for what he's done. And it was not his fault. I know. So Sky insists that everything that Mike did, he did for Ace. And Mike says that what he's going to do now is also for Ace. 
He's such a good man. I hate that this happened to him. I know. Oh, it hurts. It's so, it's such an upsetting story. Yeah. He never wanted any of this. Ugh. He's just a guy that got injured on the job. Is that what it was? Yeah, he got injured on the job and he volunteered for experiments because one, he needed money and two, they said it would make him strong. Oh, and then they just exploited him and abused him. Oh, yeah. God. So then, God damn it, Garrett is still alive. <laughs> And why did they just leave his body there? (laughs) I don't know. For the plot. Yeah, for real. He drags himself into the super soldier machine and gets all his limbs replaced. As he stands up and begins his villain victory speech, uh, he's cut short by Coulson blowing him up with a laser. (laughs) I fucking love it. I love that this episode is, like, so fucking devastating and, like, so emotional and, like, moving. But it also has these, like, fucking slapstick comedy moments. Yeah. Where he's, he's like, I found it. Told you guys it would be in here. Right. He doesn't even acknowledge. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Oh, Excellent. my God. Um, so on the jet, Coulson is having that talk with Fury, and it goes, stupid, 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 and cruel, and very stupid. (laughs) He's speaking my language. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that that was the actual lines. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... Fury explains that while he knows that Coulson himself said this reincarnation was not a good idea, he also knew that May was on top of the situation. Granted, only after it was done, though, <laughs> and that this was an emergency situation. And Coulson says that it was only supposed to be used in the case of a fallen Avenger. And Fury says, exactly. And, uh, I mean, like... That's sweet to call Coulson an Avenger, but the objections still apply. (laughs) (laughs) It still gets me emotional, though. Yes, I, it's very, he is an Avenger, but also still. (laughs) Fury says that he doesn't regret it, though. Coulson is the embodiment of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s core purpose, protection, and the belief that every person is worth saving. Which is so true. So Fury is appointing Coulson as the new head of S.H.I.E.L.D. And gives him a teeny tiny little box that apparently somehow (laughs) has the tools he'll need to rebuild S.H.I.E.L.D. from the ground up. Coulson as the new director and May as his right hand. So on whether it was Marvel's idea or the showrunners to have Coulson promoted to director and tasked with rebuilding S.H.I.E.L.D., Jed Whedon said, quote, They're one and the same. They have plans for films and we have plans to intermittent with them and it's the name of our show the second to last episode is called ragtag and that's a term we've used we wanted to create this ragtag group but within this giant organization with billions of dollars and support all over the globe and satellite feeds on their luxurious plane now we have a chance to start them over and figure out what it's like to really be a secret again it's so it's so good (laughs) oh so as Fury starts to leave, they ask where he's going. Coulson guesses that he'll disappear, nowhere to be found. But Fury lowers his sunglasses for the first time, revealing a scarred white left eye that took me by <laughs> surprise um, and says, I'll be everywhere. And what the fuck does that mean? What? I'm watching you, Wazowski. Always watching. <laughs> Was that good? Was that a good impression? That was excellent. Thank you. 
Oh. So back on their bus, the cargo ramp descends, and Trip, Coulson, May, and Skye are finally reunited with Simmons. Simmons won't say that Fitz is okay, but he is alive. My heart. As they look around at the location Fury gave them the coordinates to, fucking Koenig shows up! <laughs> <laughs> and tells them that they've made it to yet another secret base called the Playground. Only this isn't Eric Koenig, it's his brother Billy! Oh, like, no wonder they played Call of Duty together. They were both in charge of their own secret bases. Oh, sweet. <laughs> so Billy Koenig is also a huge fan of Coulson. He gives them the same lanyard spiel and then says that everything in there is for Coulson to help him get S.H.I.E.L.D. started again. And ooh, that team shot is just missing Fitz, but it's so good. And then the music swelling, I had chills. It was, it's, oh my God. It's everything that I love about the show. I, <laughs> So Jed Whedon said that they wanted to give the season a happy ending in a way with Marissa Tancheroan adding that the series was, quote, a little bit back to square one and boiled down to the basics. And Whedon continued saying, though teases were given for Raina, Sky, and Phil Coulson, we wanted to feel their victory in the episode. Yeah, that's good. It's like a, it's a bittersweet ending. Yeah. And then I wasn't sure if this was the post-content content yet. It was not. Um, so Raina is following a large man through a dark corridor and enters a room with one person sitting on the only chair in the place. She hands them a photo of Sky, which is picked up by a burned and or bloody hand and says, I found your daughter. Oh, fuck. <laughs> the Whoa. setups. Ah! So then now it's time for the post-content content. Colson is lying in his bed at the playground, but he's not sleeping. He gets up and goes into a storage room. He traces the symbols that Garrett drew on that glass door, and then he grabs a pocket knife and starts carving the same type of symbols into the walls. It seems like trance-like, involuntary, and the music is very eerie. I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> the setups for the next season were always so so good i am so excited for us to get into season two it's gonna be so much fun oh <laughs> like i'm ready yeah. i wish i weren't moving so that we could like speed through it <laughs> all right so overall thoughts on the episode i have so many feelings and zero coherent thoughts <laughs> first of all bear fucking mccreary Fucking phenomenal job. Yo. If I if I could stand easily right now, I would. I would give him a standing ovation. Holy shit. The music, and I mean in the whole season, but especially this episode, the music was incredible. Yeah. It just it just led you in exactly the right direction. Like I laughed, I cried, I shit myself. It made you feel exactly what you were supposed yes. to feel. Oh man. I really like and this was such a good episode, but I really feel like the score made this episode. It was so good. Yeah. Bear, come on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> You're a very busy man. <laughs> and then over, like, an excellent season finale episode. It's like you said, it's so, it was so satisfying. God, it's like, it's such a clear ending to the arc, to like this chapter, but then the new villains and struggles and mysteries are introduced just enough, like it gives you just a taste without giving too much away. Like, wow, it's such a good finale. That's my thing it. about this show. A lot of people within like the MCU fandom don't give S.H.I.E.L.D. the credit that it deserves, 
because it's just, especially now after the Disney Plus shows have come out, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is seen as just this little, like, dinky little tie-in show. But the thing about this show is that it stands on its own. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 it's incredible storytelling i do think that of all the marvel shows that are out right now this is the best one and anyone who has watched it i don't think would argue with me (laughs) wandavision was great but you needed to have a little bit of backstory on wanda and vision in order to really get it ms marvel was great it's probably my second favorite of all of the Disney Plus shows, I do think that that one probably stands on its own. But Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is just beyond. Like, some of the best storytelling I've seen in any TV show, period. Yeah, it's excellent. Um, So I have a guess <laughs> okay. for the next season. So I think that Fitz is going to have amnesia or something for a while. Like, Simmons is going to cure him, except for his crush. He's still going to, like, forget about that. So then now the <laughs> slow burn, unrequited love thing is reversed because she didn't know her feelings mm-hmm. until he pointed out his at the last minute, but now she's going to be too afraid to tell him about her feelings and it's just full circle. That's what I feel like it's going to happen. <laughs> um, and then I swear to God, if they give Ward a redemption arc, I will rage. I feel it coming and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to see. Ugh. What are your thoughts? What do you have? Um, I have some overall season fun facts. Okay. So Jeffrey Bell, executive producer on the evolving nature of characters and storylines throughout this season. From day one, Grant Ward was Hydra in our minds. If we felt like we needed other options, we could have changed. Here's an example of changing. We didn't know we were going to fall in love with Ruth the way we did as Reyna. She came in for episode five, but we thought, she's cool, and so we brought her back. So what would have been somebody else became Reyna, and as we fell in love with her character, we wrote more and more to that. We knew that J. August Richards was going to be Deathlock, but we didn't know that we were going to care about him as much as we did. We knew the kind of person we wanted to bring in as the clairvoyant, and we knew that we wanted a mislead, so we brought in Victoria Hand. The fact that Bill Paxton worked out was fantastic. You're going to write that character in a certain way because of who the actor is, so that changes. But we did know we were going to introduce the clairvoyant, that we were going to introduce that he was Hydra, and then use that to reveal Ward. Those were things we knew loosely. It's so good. It's so good. It's so it's so smart and like well crafted. Just the the story is so it's so intricate. I love it so much. I, and I think it really, it speaks to the storytelling abilities as well, that yeah. they had the plan, but they weren't afraid to deviate from that. Yeah. They weren't afraid to change things to cater to a specific actor's abilities or to their strengths. And that is, it's such a smart thing to have like backup plans that still work for the ultimate story that you're trying to tell. To be able to change is, it's hard. That's hard to do. Yeah. To, to still find ways to, to tell exactly the story you're wanting to tell while being able to change some of the details. Yeah. I'm so impressed. It's just... <laughs> It's incredible. Also, I have Anne Foley's uh, approach to costuming for the team. She was the costume designer. So I think in the last episode or the episode before, we talked about Coulson's suits and how they were different from the ones he wore in the movies. Um, So conversely to Coulson, Ward always wore black in order to look, quote, leading man sexy. (laughs) (laughs) 
May's flight suit was based on similar ones in the Air Force and featured a tiny Y 3D printed pattern that was the same used for Maria Hill's costume in The Avengers. For Skye, Foley wanted to set her apart from the other characters, so she looked to street-style blogs for design ideas. And Skye's wardrobe was bright and vibrant at the start of the season and slowly became more muted as the season went on to reflect her shield training and the season's darker tone. Wow. So as the show and she became more serious, so did her clothes. Yeah. I didn't even realize that, that they... Wow. Yeah, it's so good, right? It's so good. I think, like, that's that's the thing about, because they really had, like, the best of the best. This whole team was just fucking incredible. Yeah. Ugh. Mm. And uh, she tried to compliment the styles for Fitz and Simmons while, like, striving to not dress them alike. Like, she didn't want them matching, but she wanted them to seem like they were a unit. Yeah. Um, Foley liked to mix feminine elements with some masculine, such as floral prints, and the Peter Pan collars with a tie and a blazer. Simmons is also seen in her lab coat more than Fitz is, because she's the biochemist. And with Fitz, his costumes have, quote, a little more heritage, wearing vests, cardigans, ties, plaid shirts, and jackets with the patches on the elbows. I love so those. Cute. So I cute. I loved Fitz's wardrobe. Yes, Fitz, God, Fitz was exactly, oh fuck, who am I kidding? I was going to say Fitz was exactly who I would have dated in 2013, but I'm I'm dating that man now. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's how Aaron dresses. <laughs> Um, and I also learned that Coulson's car, Lola, stands for Levitating Over Land Automobile. Wow. Yeah. Everything stands for something. I know. <laughs> fuck. God, Marvel, can't we just have a word that's not an anagram? Couldn't you just like the name Lola? <laughs> Is that how you use the word anagram? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. Fix it in post. An anagram is direct word switch or word play, the result of rearranging the letters of a word or phrase to produce a new word or phrase, using all the original letters exactly once. (laughs) (sighs) All right, well, that concludes our episode on the season one finale, the beginning of the end. If you want to keep up with us, you can follow us on TikTok at Agents of Nothing Podcast. On Twitter at Agent Nothing Pod and on Instagram at Agents of Nothing Podcast. You can also go to anchor.fm slash agents of nothing and send us a voice message with your thoughts. You can also donate to us on Anchor if you would like, no pressure, but we would appreciate it. You can email us at agents of nothing podcast at gmail.com. The next episode we're gonna do is an email episode and then we're gonna take a little bit of time off. We'll keep you guys posted on that. For our personals, you can find me, Mariah, on Twitter at FullSwampWitch underscore, on TikTok at Submarine Warfare, and on Instagram at Submarine Warfare. And you can find me, Caroline, on Twitter at RustyPage95, on Instagram at underscore RustyPage, or on TikTok at CrazyGinger995. Next week, we'll be reading some listener emails, so stay tuned for that. Okay, bye! Bye! Love you. Why did I say it like that? <laughs>